Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is David Alamey, who specializes in training the minds of high-level performers in business, athletics, and surgery. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. David, welcome to the show. Um, I really could spend the whole half hour just introducing David Alamey. He's had a major impact on his life, on my life, and I think I've had a bit of an impact on his. But we've been working together since 2003. Um, originally started out as my golf instructor, um, I have a hopeless golf game, and he never was able to salvage that. But he um, he became a he was also in the performance world, which I'll talk about in a second. But jump to the end of the story. David right now is the University of Washington performance coach for the athletic department. He was in the business world for a while. He and I intersect because we actually coach our surgical fellows in performance techniques. But David, welcome to the show. And could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, sure. First, it's uh, it's an honor, David, to be on your podcast. Uh, I'm proud of you for creating this this resource for so many people. Um, the the meeting Dr. Hanscom was uh, an important part of my development. I was a golf teacher and uh, had continued to help folks with their golf games on a on a lesser basis now with this performance coaching. Um, we met way back when with a golf club in your hand, and I'm glad our relationship transferred away from golf. <laughs> uh, yes, you're right. Since about 2007, after you and I uh, worked together, I started spending time with surgeons and coaching them in their performance and interoperative performance and performance in the clinic. Um, you also introduced me into the world of mogul skiing uh, when I coached your son and Holt, which I believe we'll talk about later on. Learned a lot from that, moving away from golf and teaching folks in other domains, um, surgeons, skiers, and was spending a lot of time working with business teams and business individuals, leveraging golf as a way to build relationships and increase team performance. Not long after that, I started delving into working with collegiate athletes, spending time with the University of Washington women's golf team moving and morphing into coaching other head coaches, assistant coaches, teams, and individuals at the University of Washington in various other sports, and now spend a lot of time coaching folks. Right. Well, there's lots of reasons um, having you in the show. We actually had a conversation before we came on the show, because Dave and I can talk really a whole day or two just on one topic. So we knew, we knew each other extremely well. He's one of my best friends, and we've been through a lot, both both with a little bit of adversity, but also learning how to deal with it. And so what I'd like to start out with, David, is that I took golf lessons in 2003. Again, my golf game really is unsalvageable for lots of other different reasons. And I, my son and his best friend Holt were struggling with mogul skiing, both extraordinarily athletes, but they were not performing at the level that they could perform at. Both of them had tried different performance psychologists without much success. And so I knew David had been working on performance. And so I brought Nick and Holt to Seattle in October, 2006. And David started teaching about the performance model. It's basically about consistency of performance. And as I listened to them talk, I realized that surgery is a performance. And David challenged me to get engaged in that process. You wanna tell that story a little bit, David? 
Well, yeah, you brought the boys up to work on their mogul skiing. They had just both finished U.S. selections and had not made the U.S. ski team, so they were pretty down. Um, They came up for the weekend, and then there's dad, Dr. Hanscom, in the room. Uh, I didn't really need a dad, and I did challenge (laughs) you to put, you know, because dads frequently can be an issue when it right. comes to youth sports performance. Right. Uh, but you had the courage to bring surgery and put it on the table and look at your own self. I don't know if it was your commitment as a surgeon or your commitment to be a great dad to, to model that way, but you put skin in the game uh, right away. And uh, we're able to look at the, your performance in a way that I was asking the boys to. And so here's the formula that we used and we'll take you back to those first meetings. The formula that we use is performance. So your performance as a surgeon performance equals skill minus interference plus or minus luck. The key in that. So with the, with the boys in mogul skiing, I wasn't really a, an expert in mogul skiing. So right. um, I was, a, I just asked them, you know, from a skill standpoint, where do you stand? And Holt, for example, said, well, yeah, my skills are good enough to, to win. And uh, okay. So your technical skills are good enough to win. So we really delved in and same with Nick um, and you as a surgeon, you had the technical skills and knowledge to perform. So performance equals skill. Yes, you can improve your skills. But the main thing that we immediately looked at was identifying and eliminating interferences right. that make you inconsistent, that obstruct right. your performance. Right. Well, what happened is that it's interesting enough that as a surgeon, we're taught skill, <coughs> excuse me, skills and skills and skills, but we're never taught about consistency of performance. And the model we hold out there, you want an A level surgeon operating on you who's going through divorce and having good days and bad days? Or do you want a B surgeon who knows his or her limits, does a consistent job, will refer on if he or she is out of their comfort zone, but very, very consistent? And most people, of course, want to choose the B surgeon. I will have to say that I had never heard of performance concepts until I met David, particularly applied to surgery. I engaged David for 18 months solid, once or twice a week, every week on the phone, David came into the operating room. He learned about the operating environment. And so what happened with me personally, my complication rate probably dropped 80%. It was unbelievable. And I actually went through a phase of almost a year without a technical complication. And then I had a couple. And in spine surgery, when you have complications that are technical, it it hurts people. It's a horrible experience for the surgeon and the patient both, right? And I'll never forget the comment David made. It's the same thing with any athlete is that you go into a slump and his point was you're keeping score, right? Remember that comment? Yeah, yeah. It it can feel good to go that long without a complication. It can feel really good. I mean, this is the the curse of the high performer is, you know, like these young athletes, they show up in college or a great, you know, orthopedic spine surgeon, right? It it feels pretty good when you're good at your sport and or at your craft. So we run into these student athletes that show up and they were superstars in high school and they won at every level. And, right. they, and, and that's great. You know, you're in high school, you're a star, people love you, everybody reveres you, you're given a lot, a lot of privilege. And then you show up in college perhaps and sometimes that wave of success crashes. Right. And 
therein lies the curse. It feels good to be you when you're good, but when you're failing publicly and right. expectations are really high, it can be a problem. And that's sort of what happened to you. You were starting to ride this crest doing extraordinarily well. I mean, really clean surgeries and learning so much. And then once that first complication happened, it, was, it, it kind of got you and escalated a little. Well, it brings up the reason why I'm having you in the, on the podcast with this part of, you know, you're saying, well, what's a performance coach have to do with chronic pain? Well, it's about stress. We know stress changes the body's chemistry. When you're under stress, you don't perform as well. And David taught me something really early on about a vision of excellence versus surviving and fixing. And as surgeons, we're always criticized. We are not good enough, not good enough. So we had to try harder and harder and harder. And that energy actually just wears us down and paradoxically actually reduces performance. David, could you explain to us the idea of a vision of excellence versus surviving and fixing? Versus surviving and fixing. Well, <clears throat> maybe there's a story where there was a young girl. So I'm going to give you the model of surviving and fixing and how, how this shows up. There was a 12-year-old girl. Her parents asked me to give her some golf lessons. And they knew the way that I taught. They knew that I looked at the mental game. So they said, hey, she tends to struggle with stress. She's a great kid, but help her out through these golf lessons. Okay, fine. So she comes to the first lesson and she's brilliant. She's a really good athlete. She did well. I didn't see any signs of stress. Second lesson, she comes in and she's not there. She's not present. There's clear stress. She wasn't focused. So I sat her down. I said, so, so what are you stressed out about? Um, or, or what's the issue? She said, I'm stressed. Stressed about what? Well, here's what her stress was, school. Oh, really? So are you struggling with school? No, I get all A's, she said. Um, never gotten a B. Okay, great. So I asked her, why do you want to get good grades? She said, well, I'm in Seattle. I want to get into a good private high school. Okay, so do you need to keep getting good grades there? Yes. Why? To get into a good college. Well, do you need to keep getting good grades there, I asked Yes, she says. Why? To get into a good grad school. I'm like, okay, so, so then well, grades are still an issue. Do you need to get good grades there? Yes. Why? To get a good job. And so this went on. Well, why do you want a good job? To make money. Well, why do you want to make money? She said, well, this, you, most people can guess every other answer, but this one, she said, well, I want to buy a second home on the San Juan Islands, and I want to pay for my kid's college. And I'm like, oh, okay, so do you keep working after that? Yes, to make more money, yes, why? So I can retire early. And so I asked her, so you're, you're stressed out about retirement then right now, right? <laughs> that she was in this, I mean, clearly she's in this surviving and fixing mode. Here she right. is successful, she's a jock, she's got a family that loves her, she's doing well in school, she has friends, but she's suffering. There's this feeling of stress about getting a B and not being successful. So she's, she was going to get good grades. She was going to be successful, but right. the whole time she was waiting for some solution to her stress. Right. Which oftentimes we find people, you know, wake up as, as a success when they're 45 years old and go, I've won the game. Right. And, but where is my joy? Where is my satisfaction? Right. So that's an example of surviving and fixing. Right. Where we are just trying not to fail, just trying right. to keep our head above water. Right. Uh, a vision is usually when we have people write down their vision, we have them get a blank piece of paper and write down thinking about something in, in terms of a year or five years, some 
time frame in the future, if I could have it any way I wanted, dot, 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 and write. Right. It's, it's something that's a stretch. It's something that when you think of that vision, you know, you, a smile comes onto your face and you kind right. of light up. Right. Well, it's just, what we do in chronic pain, I mean, the whole solution in chronic pain is, by the way, based on what's called neuroplasticity, where your brain changes every second. And it took me the longest time, probably a couple of years working with David to really understand this, this difference between surviving and fixing versus a vision of excellence. Because my way of getting better was just not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. Well, it's really hard to enjoy your life if you're never good enough. Or like with this girl, why she was never had enough money until she got to the retirement phase. And then what I found out inadvertently along my journey is that I actually succeeded. I got the money, I got the job, I had a nice house, nice practice, nice reputation. And you cannot outrun your mind. And there's actually a tremendous anxiety with success because this busyness occupies that space called anxiety. I know we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, but anxiety is not psychological. It's a physiological response to a threat. And you're, if you're in a surviving and fixing mode, things are always a threat. You're always on fire. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor I've used is learning a new language that to solve chronic pain, you can't put your attention on the pain because you're, that's where your brain is going to develop. You want to go on to this, this new language that I call an enjoyable life. Just like you can't learn French by trying to fix your English, you're not going to develop this enjoyable life by trying to fix your pain. And I do use this metaphor, uh, sadly. I said, I, the reason why I never was able to get a decent golf swing, I was always trying to fix my bad one instead of creating the vision about what I wanted and pursuing that. So from a neuroplasticity standpoint, that vision of excellence turned out to be a huge deal. Um, I'd like to have you tell us a story. So just to review here, we've talked about our goal in surgery is consistency of performance. It's this, the operating room is a great stress management laboratory. The tools also come out right now into real life with just life in general. Stress always is coming there. So we've said for a long time that stress isn't the problem, it's that chemical reaction to the stress. So you have a terminology for the stress versus the reaction. David, what's that terminology sound like? The hardware and software terminology. Right. <clears throat> yeah, we uh, break any thing down by hardware and software, anything. So we can look at chronic pain or pain you're experiencing, break it down with hardware and software, sports performance, surgery. So what is hardware and software? It's, it makes pretty quick sense to folks. Hardware is all the external things. So in surgery, hardware would be the OR staff, it'd be the equipment, it'd be the patient, it'd be the timing, right? The, the, the physiology of the patient, right? So right. the pagers going off and other external distractions would be hardware. Um, hardware would be the physical experience of pain. Hardware is the environment that we're in, the weather, the, the, the situation. Um, hardware in this current time that we're talking, there's pandemic that is hardware. Right. Um, so, uh, so hardware is, and, and your body is in itself hardware. Other people right. are hardware. Software is when we start at the 10,000 foot level, software is perspective or approach, right? Your mindset or philosophy would be a software program, a macro software program. Thoughts are software. Every thought you think shows up as a software program. Right. Emotions are software. Right. And, there's a real, and these two hardware and software relate to each other in a very important way. Right. And what's ironic for me as a surgeon is that you know, we get stressed out. I mean, spine surgery is challenging. It's stressful. You're using big instruments over delicate structures. 
And so it's a really one of the most stressful aspects of surgery that exist. That's the hardware. My technical skills, by the way, are the hardware. And so understanding your boundaries and then using the tools to keep connecting to the move. And so for instance, during surgery, we have a little tool that we've talked about on the website multiple times of active meditation that I used to go focus, focus, focus with the idea of trying to fix it, solve it. I'm gonna get through this case. I actually go through the end of the week thinking in terms of I didn't have a complication. So that's a negative way of thinking. Whereas by the time I got done working with David, I was excited about Monday. I was, ex I was excited about making, making that next one beautiful move. Surgery turned into a sculpting event, like an art form, and it completely transformed my experience into enjoyment. But if I was stressed, the interference is being anxiety, frustration, complacency, being rushed or distracted. I recognized that I was distracted, and then I would take a deep breath. And then my somatic tool, I call it active meditation, was actually going to light, touch, and feel on the instrument. And what happens, I did that so many, so before I started working with David, I'd have thousands of racing thoughts throughout the case, what's gonna happen, what am I gonna do? And the harder I tried to keep my mind on the surgery, it was focus, 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 but it was actually focused on focusing, I wasn't connected to the move. But by just connecting to light touch and keeping a nice touch with nice movements, beautiful moves, that's when my complications started to drop. But what was interesting as I connected to the moves, these racing thoughts started to disappear because my brain was on a different sensation, not the thoughts. When you try to fight the thoughts, of course, you now have given them neurological energy. From a neuroplasticity standpoint, you actually reinforce the problem, not solving it. So the vision of excellence was the vision of excellence for me was that one next beautiful move. And then I kept doing that over and over and over again. Then I noticed over time it was automatic. I wasn't having racing thoughts. It sort of became an incredibly enjoyable experience. It completely changed the nature of how I approached surgery, but also how I approached life. So right now we have the hardware of the coronavirus pandemic, among other stresses. And you might notice that, okay, now your focus is on the pandemic, but you probably were, you probably tend to worry before the epidemic anyway. In other words, where was your mind? Where was your where was your thinking? So that vision of excellence turns out to be a pretty big deal. And again, the solution to chronic pain is actually moving your brain from the pain circuits to a wonderful life. And visualizing that wonderful life and how you're gonna get there is really a key issue. So Dave, I could go back to the vision of excellence again. So as a perfectionist, that's sort of surviving and fixing. I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Whereas the vision of excellence is I'm here and this is where I wanna go. Um, can you expand on that vision of excellence a little bit more? Because that actually is the solution to chronic pain. Well, yeah, even when we start talking with high performers around a vision of excellence, frequently they're doing what you did, which is I need to focus, I need to grind, you know, I need to, I need to be successful. And so even, you know, there's some danger, lots of folks, um, find with trying to create a vision that was really, I don't want any more of this crap. I don't want any more of this pain. I don't want any more of this suffering. So right. um, the, the first thing is, is we, we can create something aspirational and, uh, and you write it down on paper. It's some time in the future, if you could have it any way you want it. And then what we do quite quickly is we break it out by hardware and software. Let's use you as an example. Um, 
kind of embedded in when you talked about how we work together was this really profound growth mindset that you obviously um, display here on your podcast and in your writing and this growth mindset that you showed with me. Um, you wanted to learn, you wanted to grow, you were hungry to be better at what you did. And so when we create this vision, okay, here's where you can see in my, in, with my hands, if you typically what people say is, here's where I am and here's where I should be. This is perfectionism. Here's where I am. I'm a failure. I should be better than this. Right. right? And, 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 they, and it sounds like they're high achievers. Look, I'm hard on myself. I have high expectations for myself. That's right. really surviving and fixing. And it's right. kind of where you came at the beginning and you did this a little bit golf. Instead, what we do is we say, well, here's where we are, right? Here's reality. And at some time in the future, here's where I want to be. Right. And, and, and it is in the future. It's, a, it's key to recognize that this vision is a vision of the future. It creates a North Star. It right. creates a direction for us. Right. So you are able to say, I want to enjoy surgery and I want to have a very low complication rate. And I want my patients to come out a certain way. And right. We'll, and then we begin a conversation and you did the work of, well, what is the hardware and what is the software of that? And you right. did some work around the safe zone and the you know, moving, kind of really being present with every single move in terms of strategically. So you worked on the hardware for that. Right. But then there's the software. What is the software of that vision? Not only enjoying surgery, so it isn't depleting you and racing you towards burnout, right. but instead you were able to stay uh, where you enjoyed it and your focus was very, very good. Once we created that vision and it was clear for you, then right. you were able to set the steps of, well, how do you practice? How do you grow into that? What I'd like to do is during the second part of this podcast, which will air next week, is that I want to talk about this detaching from the outcome because one of the most profound things that happened to me is that I had a tremendous amount of my identity wrapped up being an excellent surgeon, right? Yeah. Paradoxically, paradoxically, that actually decreases performance. And the hardest part when we teach the fellows is that all of us want perfect outcomes. The patients want it perfect. We want it perfect. There's actually a significant depression rate after technical complication of about 40% in surgeons that have a technical complication. It's pretty bad. Yeah. So paradoxically, as you have a vision of performance excellent and actually detach from the outcome and what happened, your performance goes way through the roof. So of course you want a good outcome, but actually if you're attached to the outcome while you're doing the case itself, you're screwed. It's very paradoxical. It's a, yes. one of the hardest parts about the process. But once the fellows go over that boundary, once they get over that hump, their life changes personally and surgically. So let's review really quickly what we just talked about today and why I just want to remind the audience why we're actually talking about performance in the context of chronic pain. So we talked about the idea of, I'll let you, I'll let you review it. <laughs> well, we talked about, we, we laid down the fundamentals of hardware and software, right? Which is, which is everybody listening to this can immediately look at whatever their mind is focused on and break it down by hardware and software. If it's a relationship issue, if it's some worry about the coronavirus or some other personal issues, financial issues, we can break that down by hardware and software. And it's useful to do because then we can sort of divide and conquer. Okay, what can we do around the hardware? Well, maybe and from a coronavirus standpoint, we isolate, we really focus on our health. What do we do about the software? What do I want my software to be in this situation? And then we can take action on that. So we laid down that foundation. And then, but, but it's useful when you're in any given moment to say, well, how do I wanna be dealing with 
things? What is my right. vision for how I want to lead my life? Right. What do I want to be as a, as a parent or as a business person or as a patient? And so right. we've talked about creating that vision. We're not fixing our problems in the vision, but really if we could have it any way we wanted and spend, when we talk about a vision, you actually want to close your eyes and imagine it and see right. it. And then you take pen to paper and you write down, if I could have it any way I wanted, dot, dot, dot. And you can break it down by hardware and software. And right. uh, just like, here's how I want to, here's what I want the external situation, my body, the money, the people, the nature the relationships. And here's what I want the software to be, right? I want to be present. I want to feel joy. I want to be aware. And up to certainly, you know, a lot unnecessary and, um, you know, discursive thinking leading to fear and a lot of anxiety is right. probably going to be in a lot of people's vision. So right. once we say, here's where we want to be, right? Uh, we have an opportunity to take some real action to make a difference. Right. And understand that these tools are applicable anywhere. We've had fellows had, have much less complications when they go into practice after they've been trained with us. We've had, we're probably four marriages saved through the process yeah. Yeah. because this happens a lot in relationships so lots of hardware and software issues but the 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 stressor versus the reaction stress is a big deal and once you understand that you have a choice of the reaction i mean you're obviously going to solve hardware issues as you can but we get dependent on the hardware to make ourselves happy and it's really the software that makes us the happiest but i want to talk about the on the next podcast is that the thing that changed my life is I had a huge amount of identity wrapped up in being this great surgeon and I was attached to that vision, right? Yep. And as I separated my identity from my performance, it changed everything. My life, the performance, everything changed. When I was truly able to disconnect with who I was, whatever that is, and separate my identity as a person from my accomplishments, et cetera. Huge, huge factor. But we'll start off the next podcast with a story about the University of Washington Women's Golf Team Championship and some of the specific tools you use to actually get them there with the writing, relaxation tools, visualization, but also that detaching from the outcome, which is in a lot of ways the hardest part of the project, but also the most powerful. So anyway, David, thank you. Any final words to the audience here from your perspective? Uh, take action yep. that if you don't have a vision that's already set up go grab a piece of paper you know, a lot of us uh, are, are overwhelmed going through this period of time but take a piece of paper down right the the, the struggles and the adversity that we have now will pass so get out that piece of paper do some writing as you know david i still have to have the last word right of course <laughs> all right <laughs> so, so i promise you i'm going to do this but i'm going to do it anyway so i mean the key i, I will say something that changed my life is that you do tell some stories that are very powerful. And between you and another mentor of mine, you point out that when there's adversity is actually your opportunity to practice the tools. I use that quote all the time. So by the way, um, I give Dave a little bit of a hard time, but he's truly one of my mentors. It's a tremendous change in my way of thinking. He has also grown himself as he's worked with me and vice versa. But just the whole approach he's taken has really changed my life dramatically. And uh, I appreciate your input, coach. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to thank our guest, David Alamey, for joining us today and sharing his insights into how we can all achieve higher performance in every aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to join us next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www 
www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.